Hey, church family. Thanks for joining us for today's podcast. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas, and we are very much looking forward to a happy and healthy new year. This week, we're learning more about the Magi, who took a long journey to follow a star to Bethlehem. Let's send it over to Pastor Matthias. Oh, friends, Christ Jesus has been born in Bethlehem, and this morning we are joining the Magi on their road to come and visit the newborn king. Uh, Typically in the story, the Magi actually showed up maybe months after Jesus Christ was born, but as we were joking as a praise band, it'd be a little bit awkward in the middle of July to say, and the Magi are here, and go back to Christmas. So we thought we'd talk about it a little bit early. But our reading this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Friends, listen now for the word of the Lord. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go, search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. And opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. What is the first thing you do when you walk into a cathedral? Seriously, if you've ever had the chance to go inside one of those enormous, gigantic, towering cathedrals or basilicas, like the Basilica of St. Louis uh, down south, or Holy Name Cathedral up in Chicago, or St. Paul's uh, in Minneapolis. If you've ever been inside a towering cathedral, what is the first thing you do the moment you walk through the front doors? It isn't kneeling. It isn't signing in on a guest book, and it isn't even crossing yourself if you come from the Catholic tradition. 
No, the very first thing that every single person does when they walk inside an immense cathedral is to go, wow. It sounds very obvious, but it never ever fails. And it applies to every single person regardless of what church tradition you may come from, or even if you have no faith tradition at all. The first thing every person does when they walk through the doors of an immense cathedral is to look straight up, as if their gaze is being pulled upwards by some overpowering force towards the enormous stained glass windows up in the clear story level or the elaborate vaulted ceiling up over their heads. And the incredible thing about it is that that is not a random coincidence or an accident. Now, far from being a coincidence, every person who walks into a grand cathedral looks up because a cathedral is a church that is designed to make you look up. That was part of the reason why Christians first started building the immense Gothic cathedrals of Europe all the way back in the Middle Ages. In the high Middle Ages, the 12th and 13th centuries, in France and England, Gothic architects started trying to make their new basilicas, their churches, their cathedrals higher and higher and higher. That's actually one of the three defining characteristics of the Gothic architecture as a style. It's incredible verticality and breathtaking height. Think about Notre Dame in Paris. Think about Westminster Abbey in London. Think of Reims, Chartres, Gloucester, Lincoln, Strasbourg, all of the towering stone Gothic cathedrals of Europe with their gargoyles, stained glass rose windows, and mesmerizing artworks were all designed by architects who wanted it to appear as if their church was rising up into the heavens and who wanted to draw the attention of their worshipers up to the highest peaks of the building because they wanted to keep their worshipers looking up toward heaven. That's the thing about all of those gorgeous cathedrals that we admire in pictures in medieval movies or on vacation. Gothic cathedrals were designed to remind every single worshiper who stepped through the doors that there is always something above them that deserves their attention. Cathedrals were designed to instill a sense of overwhelming grandeur as the liturgy told them about a God of greatness. And cathedrals are churches in which every single stone, brick, and pillar has been carefully placed to get you to lift your eyes up to see the light of heaven. The Magi knew what it meant to lift their attention and keep their eyes fixed on the light of heaven. It would have been 1,217 miles from modern Iran in the east to Bethlehem in the west. 
And traveling that whole way by camel caravan, the journey could have taken anywhere from two months to two years, depending on what trouble they might have encountered. To make matters more difficult, the Magi could only travel at night, something which was both a major hindrance, because it wastes time, and also incredibly dangerous. Bandits and predators come out at night. But they had no choice. They had to. The star, that single holy light that they saw in the dark is what led them. As magi, these men weren't the three kings that people later started to imagine them as. They were master astronomers from Persia. And they would have been the very first to detect the appearance of a brand new star in the night sky. And far from being just a really neat discovery, some new object that they get to name after themselves, it was believed at the time that new stars signified the births of new kings. The appearance of a new star in the west over Judah then must mean that a new king had been born to the people there. So the Magi had set out with the most royal gifts that they could afford, gold and valuable spices. They walked and rode, they hiked and pushed on through every one of those 1,200 miles and every step of the way they kept their eyes fixed on that one light that heaven kept on for them in the dark. And that may have been the greatest challenge of all. More than the staggering number of miles that they traveled, more than the ominous dangers they faced traveling at night, or the logistical obstacles they had to overcome, maybe the most remarkable thing that the Magi achieved was keeping their eyes on the light of heaven that mattered while walking through a dark world filled with endless problems and distractions. I mean, who knows what dark things might have fought for the Magi's attention as they passed through endless miles of wilderness and cities. There were political problems in Persia and Israel, policies and leaders that they approved of and others that they didn't. There were financial challenges, concerns about if they'd have enough money to make it, if they needed to earn more, how they would pay for unexpected catastrophes. There were unforeseen sicknesses that afflicted and hurt them, fears about bandits and predators in the night, anxieties about not getting there, or worse yet, about getting there just to find out it was not worth it. And how easy would it have been for the Magi to let any one of those endless problems consume them? How easy would it have been for the Magi to get so caught up in the worries, hardships, and problems in the darkness around them that they lose sight of the light that guided them? It is not easy to keep your attention, your mind, your spirit fixed on the light of God in this world that is so often filled with such overwhelming problems. 
such consuming distractions, such blinding darkness. It is far too easy to look down into the dark rather than up into the light. But the good news that the Magi bring us as we face the long road of a new year ahead of us, the good news is that no matter how dangerous the road became, no matter what problems unfolded around them, and no matter how dark the night sometimes felt, the Magi made it. In our own ways, we all know what it's like to be Magi, to have to fight to keep our minds and our spirits fixed on the light shining above us rather than getting pulled down into all the fears and cares around us. We all know what it's like to feel financial fears and anxieties about tomorrow that can consume every bit of our attention and rob us of the joy of today. But the good news is the light of God's peace shines through our every dark fear and invites us to be still. We all know what it's like to get swept up into angry politics and petty judgments that threaten to turn neighbors and family into enemies. But the good news is the light of God's compassion can outlast any fleeting issue and remind us that they are on the same road as us. And we all know what it's like to become so focused on the pains the losses and the problems of a dark present that we find the only place we can look is down. But the good news is the light of God's hope is always breaking through the dark above us and is always there to lead us on to the stable, the manger, the house, and the Savior in whom every darkness is driven away. No matter how dark the night or what pains, trials, fears, or problems they faced, the Magi never lost sight of the one thing that mattered most in their lives. They never stopped lifting their gaze up to the one guiding light God kept on for them in the dark that led them on to the light of life that lit up their lives. They kept looking up, and the good news is, so can we. Cathedrals are churches that are designed to make you look up, to draw your gaze upwards and point your heart towards heaven. Our faith is a way of life that is intended to make you look up, to raise your attention from temporary problems to eternal grace. Christmas is a season that exists to make us look up, to give our minds another glimpse of the new king's star that still shines in the night above us and to call our spirits once more to follow the light we've found through the dark. And no matter how long the road may be, no matter how loud or bitter the problems, no matter how dark our night may get, the light 
of life is always kept on for us. We just have to be willing to look for it. Thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, please pray with me. Holy God, as we turn now from Christmas to the new year that lies ahead of us, may you reach out once more to lift our gaze from the darkness up to your light. Christ, call us on down the road we travel to your manger of new hope where we can find the new life that compels us onwards. Holy Spirit, give us the strength to never let the pains and trials we face on our journey ever overwhelm the grace, the compassion, the forgiveness, and the love that you shine in our lives. Lord, let this new year be a new start and a new chance to see your light anew and to let it lead us on to the life we need. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Again, thanks for listening. From us here at Leroy UMC, may God bless you and keep you safe. Go in peace.